I told you before that I'm pretty easy to uh, startle. Now I'm pretty easy to sneak up on. By the way, hi Dustin, how are you man? Glad you could come for a few weeks anyway. And uh, join us. He's ministering with Keystone out in South Dakota. Glad that he's able to be with us. Um, anyway, back to what I was saying. I was thinking of that this morning as I walked in and... Um, Tap Carol Beavers on the arm, and she jumped, you know, and I thought, yep, yep, just like me. I can, I can, uh, since I lost the hearing in my right ear, you don't even have to sneak up on me. Actually, you can walk right up, and I'll, I'll never know. Uh, you combine that with the fact that, you know, uh, uh, you know, ADD and uh, really focused in on what I'm doing, and uh, you can stand there, and, uh, you know, then when I notice you, I, you know, whoa, I mean, I'll visibly uh, jump, you know, and startle me. I was out raking the front yard, and um, a guy was working on the roof, and I was raking, and he came walking across the yard, and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm out of my, as I think about it, out of my peripheral vision, I guess I could kind of see him coming, but then he said something and whoa, and I, you know, I just jumped. Um, and that's just kind of how, how, uh, how, how it goes. Now there's a big difference though between being startled and fear. Uh, you know, we are startled when someone sneaks up on us. <clears throat> or in my case, just walks up, not even sneaking. Uh, you know, and we're startled by that, but we experience fear when we're confronted by an angry man with a pipe in his hand. Uh, we, you know, we are startled when a dog starts barking at the squirrel, you know, that he sees through the window, but um, we're afraid when somebody's trying to break in our house through that window. Uh, yeah, we, we are startled when we slip on the floor, but we experience fear when the doctor tells us that, you know, something showed up on there, and I, I really need to look at that a, a little bit better. Uh, you, you see, we quickly get over, we quickly get over being startled. You know, that's something that it, it, it comes and, you know, it kind of, it might get our, our, you know, blood pressure going for a little bit or, or jump up, uh, you know, but we quickly get over being startled. It's being startled is, you know, in a sense, uh, part of life. Well, so is fear. And the trouble with fear is we have to work to respond to fear. At least we have to work to respond to fear well. Now, we all have knee-jerk reactions to fear, but that is not always what we want, is not, nor is it always what we should be doing. What we have to do is we have to work to respond to fear well, you know, to be able to do it well. Now, in the, in the events surrounding Jesus' birth, fear is present more than we may have at first realized. Now, certainly there's, there's those startling events. You know, Zechariah, we're told, he was startled when the angel appeared to him in the temple. But then it also says that he was fearful. He was struck with fear as well when he was confronted by that angel. And again, I can kind of understand that. The angel came to Mary. We looked at that last week. And what did the angel have to say to Mary? Do not be afraid. You know, do not, do not fear. We're told that the shepherds, it says, were filled with fear. You know, uh, again, I told you my, one of my favorite translations, King James, they were sore afraid, so scared that it hurt. But they were filled with fear when they saw the heavenly hosts. And I was trying to think about that, and I could, I, I would probably think that's it, we're done, you know. Um, yeah, and, uh, while there's a good aspect of that of going to heaven, 
Uh, you're not quite sure if you're going to do it in a blaze of glory or not. Uh, you know, but the, uh, the angel even had to tell Joseph not to be afraid. Fear can affect all of us. It does affect all of us. And here's the thing for us. Fear can be debilitating. It can stop us in our tracks. It can stop us from moving forward. It can stop us from making any progress at all. In fact, you know, it, it can sometimes even knock us down. But fear also can move us to action. Sometimes we run away or we choose to fight for our life. Now, either one of those can be good and either one of those can be bad. Because we are told to, you know, we're told to flee evil. So that running, you know, running certainly has its place. But standing and fighting, while it also has its place, standing and fighting sometimes is not the thing to do. Now, how do we how do we know how do we look and how do we try to discern you know what it is how is it that we should respond to fear we're going to look at Joseph today uh, and see how he responded and what he did as he as some events came into into his life that struck fear into him on a few different levels and we're going to see how he responded and I hope that as we do that I, I, I just really think God's going to give you some insight on how you might better be able to respond and work in a good way with fear as well. Let's pray. We're going to get into our passage. And Father, thank you for your truth and your word. And thank you that we have the opportunity to look back and see a little fuller picture than some of these folks saw when they were living through it. I just think sometimes as I, as I read these passages, had I been there, some of the dumb things I would have done. Some of the poor ways I would have responded. Now, we see in Scripture where some responded poorly. We see where some responded well. We have the advantage of a little bit fuller picture that they didn't have. Now, we think of our own life, and when we're in the midst of something, we don't have that fuller picture that you have. We don't understand how all of it fits together, and sometimes we are fearful. And and we don't want to do the wrong thing. We don't want to do the foolish thing. We want to do the wise thing. We want to do what it is that you have laid out there for us. How does fear even direct us? How does it play into our life? I ask that you would teach us from your word this morning, that we would see, know, and understand you better so that we can see, know, and understand the situation we find ourselves in the midst of better and might live to bring you glory and honor. This we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, page 885 in the Pew Bible. Uh, Last week, we looked at how Mary handled the news of Jesus' pending birth. What we saw there, there, we were reminded what the Lord told her. You know, do not fear. Why? Because the Lord is with you, is what what she was told. You know, because the Lord is, and the Lord is still with you right here. Right now, the Lord is with you. This week, we're going to learn as we see how Joseph went through this event. Drop down to verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. Drop down to verse 18. Follow along as we read. And again, I'll I'll encourage you, you know, to leave your Bible open because as we go through here and we highlight some of the things in the passages, maybe God will prompt you to uh, look back at the Word and maybe mark a few things down. Verse 18, the birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph... It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and she named him Jesus. Now, last week, we mentioned that this, the, the, what happened last week with Mary and what happened here, what's going on here, uh, we mentioned that it took place during this year-long betrothal period. We look at it, we call it engagement. Some of the translations will say he was engaged uh, to Mary because we don't really have a word uh, because we don't have that type of a of a structure set up. We don't have that type of a, of, I was going to say system. We don't have those, that, that, that type of a, of a culture where, you know, we have this year long thing. That's why in verse 18, you see in verse 18 where it says that he was engaged, she was engaged to Joseph. Engaged, we get that picture in our minds of engagement. For them, it was, it was a much more involved thing. You know, that, that whole betrothal period. Uh, and in verse 19, it refers to Joseph as her husband, uh, because again, even during that betrothal period, they would be referred to as husband and wife, even though when you get into the technicalities of marriage, they weren't technically married. It just shows you, well, because it says here too that he decided to divorce her. It shows how deep this commitment of the, of betrothal was. It's more than an engagement. You know, the whole picture of what engagement uh, is in our mind, this was a legally binding agreement, not simply something that two people who were enamored with each other said, hey, why don't we get married? Uh, you know, which again, remember was my proposal to Ginny. Um, you know, it's just, but see, that's just how we do it. That's why we have, you know, you can go get married in Las Vegas, you know, and a drunken stupor and even an awake stupor. You can go downtown in any kind of stupor and get married too. But you see, because for us, it's, it's, it, unfortunately, it's not that big a deal. For them, it was a big deal. It was huge. Now, you notice the phrase in verse 18 where it says that, before they came together, it means before the, the the marriage was consummated through physical intimacy, before that 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 actual wedding ceremony, for which again for them the, the whole celebration, you know, this week long celebration, uh, that before that before that happened, uh, you know, the, the woman would still would still be have lived with her parents during that year long betrothal, and, and they would not have had sex before they were married. Now this not only it reflects their society's standards, but it also reflects God's standards of not having sex outside a marriage relationship. That's very clear in Scripture. Sex outside of a marriage relationship is always depreciated in Scripture. It is never encouraged. It is never talked about as a normal thing. That's something, you know, our, our society's standards have changed. God's standards have not changed. It's still, according to God's standards, that is still uh, something that should not take place. That is still, that is still sin. Now, when we begin to see that at first here, Joseph let fear dictate his actions. Now, you'll notice he's described as a righteous man. And, you know, the, uh, give me the next slide. It's not clicking. There we go. Thank you. You know, he's described as a righteous man, but it's really, here it's because of his character. 
the, the, in, in this verse, they're talking about his character, not his standing in regard to salvation. Now, we use that word in, in talking about standing in regard to salvation. But here, you know, that's not what it's talking about. Now, it's certainly, it certainly was possible that he had a relationship with God. I would assume that he had a relationship with God because he was chosen to be, you know, the earthly father of the son of God. So I, I'm, I, we can assume that he had that. But when he talks about being a righteous man here, uh, he's ta- they're talking about his character. And you see his righteous character, really, in the way he responded to wanting to protect Mary. You know, he, he, he protected, he wanted to re- protect her reputation as well as her physical well-being. You know, both of those things were important to him. She could have been stoned for having, for having sex outside of marriage, which was the assumption because she was pregnant, and she could have been stoned to death for that. And it, it really, both could, but, you know, Joseph, you know, clearly he was denying it because he, he, you know, he was going to put her away uh, quietly. Now, here's something for you men to take notice of. And, uh, you know, give me the next one. I... I'm, this is a little annoying right now. But anyway, uh, you know, he, he put Mary's well-being ahead of his own. Righteous man speaks of his character. He obviously did not believe what Mary had told him. If he believed what Mary had told him, he would not have been looking to end this relationship. So he did not believe what Mary had told him, at least in the beginning here. At least as it was unfolding. Otherwise, there was, there would not be any sense, you know, in, in, in divorcing her, in looking to end this relationship. Yet, although he thought he was wronged, you know, and, and he was afraid to take Mary as his wife, which is what it says, notice he still put her before himself. You know, men, you need to, you, you need to, you need to understand what it means to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And that means that you are putting her ahead of your own, your, yeah, your, put her ahead of, you know, of her own position. And she, he put Mary first. Now, ladies, you know, let, let me tell you, and you, you, you know, you who aren't married yet, you know, either because you're too young or just didn't happen yet. What, what, here's the deal, too. You need to look for someone who's going to treat you that way. And you who are married, all I can do is tell you that you encourage your husband all that you can to be the man of God that God has called him to. What we're talking about here is God's standards and what God says. He was trying to end this betrothal quietly, where he could have very publicly disgraced Mary. He could have made it public, and he didn't want to make it public. Think of what he would have missed out on. Had he gone through with that, think of what he would have missed out on. Don't let fear dictate your actions. Don't let fear dictate your actions. I had a biopsy done uh, several weeks ago, and they did as they it was a needle biopsy. They uh, did twelve, took twelve samples, 
And I had an appointment on a Monday morning to go over those with the doctor. Uh, it was really kind of first thing Monday morning that I had this appointment. On Friday night before that, on the Friday night before the Monday, I got a message that at 9, I, I remember this, 9.35 at night, I think it was 9.38 actually, I got this message that there was new information on my online chart. Uh, my doctor, this doctor is with Parkview, and Parkview has this my chart thing, and so they put it on there. Some of you have the same thing. Well, I thought it was probably just a reminder of my appointment, and I thought, well, I will just double-check to make sure I have the right time down uh, you know, on, in, on my phone. So I clicked on it, and... It did have the appointment reminder, and then it also said new test results available. So I clicked on it. There's the, the list of the 12 biopsies and the results for each one. Now, each one was benign, you know, which was a, a great thing. I was, you know, I was, I was thrilled. But I went to the doctor's office Monday morning, and he started to tell me. I said, yeah, I know. It was benign. I saw it online. He starts shaking his head. I said, you know, I said, that was really, it was good for me, you know. I said, it was, it was encouraging. I mean, I knew it was benign. I said, man, what if, what if some of those had been malignant, you know? And he, you know, he was shaking his head. He said, I know. He said, I have been telling them and telling them not to put these results online. He said, and they continue to do it over my objections. And here's what he said. We have had people commit suicide, he said, because they saw these results online. He said some of the cancers, were, you know, and, and they, they're not, he said, they're not even fatal. He said, but we've had people commit suicide because they saw those results online. Don't let fear dictate your actions. Don't let fear dictate your actions. The, the whole picture here of what of what we see going on, uh, you know, in, in this passage here, you know, the, the people, you know, the, those people who took their life, they let fear dictate their actions. In Joseph's life here, there was an intervention by an angel of the Lord. Now, this was certainly, we would look at it and we would say, well, these are very specific, you know, specific circumstances and, and example. But, you know, the angel appears, notice, and he addresses Joseph's fear of taking Mary for his wife. Don't be afraid, he says, to take Mary as your wife. Now, as you look at the angel's message, I mean, you look at it there, it just seems to me he was only confirming the information that Joseph had already received from Mary. Because all we're hearing is what Mary was told. And, you know, the information was given to Mary. It seems that she told Joseph, which resulted in fear in Joseph about taking her as his wife. I mean, you could imagine that he probably doubted what? the process that, that, that Mary explained. And, you know, I, I think it would be understandable. But all we have here is simply the confirmation of what Mary told him was happening, which we saw last week is in line with Scripture. 
Now, it's really stunning information. Notice what it says there, that this, would, that this child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. How could Joseph believe this? Nothing like this ever happened before. He knew how things happened. It seems he was having a real hard time wrapping his head around this. I told you, you know, the, 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 last week we mentioned, you know, the theologians still debate exactly how this happened, but it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Notice that it says, and you are to name him Jesus. Joshua, Yahweh, Yahweh saves. You know, the, the, and it says, he will save his people from their sins. You know, that he will save them from their sins. Look again at verse 22. Now it says, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. The angel here was simply directing Joseph to choose to live following those words spoken by the prophets. He was directing Joseph to choose to live by God's word, not by his emotions. Not by his circumstance. Not by society's standards. You know, we think we need a similar experience, that we need an angel to come down and tap us. You know, we need this direct intervention by God or a dream or a vision. I'm not a big, I'm not a big one on dreams. People tell me about their dreams sometimes. And I don't know about you, most of my dreams are wacky. You know, I mean, they're just wacky, you know, and it's, it's, uh, um, you can't believe what some of you have done in them. But anyway, you know, they, you know, they, I, I, you know, they're just strange. I remember, you know, one, one time I, I'm holding on to the hood of a car as we're going across the field across from Dalton Park, and, and Jason Skinner was driving like a maniac, and he wasn't even old enough to drive. I don't know what in the world he was doing. These are my dreams, you know. These are these are the these are the things, you know, that I dream about. And uh, anyway, you know, here. What we need to do is we need to move forward in faith and in obedience to God's word. That relationship with God, you know, we need to be able to move forward in faith, knowing who God is. We need to be able to move forward in obedience to God's word. He's not trying to confuse us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to make things clear. You follow his words, you're not going to go wrong. You know, Notice the prophecy that's mentioned in verse 23. See, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. What we need to remember is the reality there, the, the reality that of, of God is with us. That's what we need to remember. You know, this is both a comfort and a motivation for walking in faith and obedience. It's both that comfort and motivation to, to walk in obedience, knowing that God is with us. We cannot forget that when we're in the grip of fear, what we need, we, we need to remember is the reality that God is with us. Look at Psalm 56, verse 4 says, in God, whose word I praise, in God, I will, I, I trust, I will not fear. What can man do to me? I will not fear. Why? Because I can trust in God. I will not fear. Why? Because, uh, you know, it's his word, his word that I praise, his word that I follow. Why? I, I don't have to fear. Why? Because of God, who God is and what God has told us. A little bit later in the same psalm, it says, In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not fear. 
What can man do to me? Again, God displaces that fear. His word gives us that guidance. Does it mean that, does it mean that we won't be afraid? No. You know, you can go forward sometimes in fear and trembling, but when you're walking in obedience to God's word, He is going to bring that comfort of knowing that you are doing and that you are following exactly what He says. In Hebrews, He says, Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Why? Because the Lord is my helper. I don't have to fear. Sometimes we let our fear, and even our fear of man, take that place that only God and his word should have in our living. I mentioned before, you know, at the beginning, we need to work to respond to fear well. We need to work to respond to fear in a way that's beneficial. We saw Joseph at first responded to the situation from his feelings and from his character. He was a righteous man, you know, but he had these feelings still that he, it seems, you know, that he couldn't quite swallow what Mary was telling him. So he was still responding in line with his character, but he was letting fear dictate what it was he was doing. And then God, what does he do? God brings the word of the prophets to his attention. Look at his response in verse 24 or 25. Look at his response as he, as he gets his attention. Uh, you know, God gets his attention on his word. And it says, when Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son. And he named him Jesus. The angel told him he did not need to fear taking Mary as his wife because what was going on was all in line with what God said through his prophets. It was all in line with God's word. The best way that you can, that you can respond to fear is to make sure that you follow God's word. That you follow his word. You know, you might be tempted to say, well, you know, I, I need an angel to tell me what to do. I need to, I've had people come, you know, and talk to me about a problem. And I, I look at them and I say, I am not going to tell you what to do. I will tell you what the word of God has to say to relate to what you're going through. Because what I want you to do is follow God, not follow what I'm saying. You know, you say, well, I, if, I, if I had an angel, be careful. Be careful. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this warning to the Corinthians. He says, no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He wrote to the Galatians. He said, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than the one we have preached to you, a curse on him. If anyone comes to you with something that is contrary to God's word, he says, a curse on him. What, you know, if what you're told or what you feel is against God's word, don't do it. If it goes against God's word, don't do it. The best way that you can respond to fear is to make sure that you follow God's word. Take a minute. Look at the points on your outline there. You know, the reality for us is when we fear, not if we fear. It's when we fear. We need to be careful. Don't let fear dictate your actions. We need to work in faith to respond to our fear in obedience to God's word. And all the time, we need to be remembering that God is 
is with us. And that makes all the difference. You're not going through any of it alone. You're not go Scripture says, you know, that perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't say fear will never come. It doesn't say you will never be afraid. It doesn't say that you, you don't have to take this step in fear. What it tells us is to follow God, remembering through it all that he is with us. Let's pray. And after we pray, I'm going to ask if the, the music team come back up. And um, I want to sing a, that song, Emmanuel, again as we close and as we dismiss. But let's pray before we sing. Father, you are a God who does not walk away from us, who does not desert us, who does not leave us on our own, even when we're afraid, even when we may sometimes choose foolishly. You are still there to continue to love us, to direct us. We thank you for your word. Remind us of it often. Take us deeper into your, into knowing you, into understanding you. Bring those scriptures to mind when we face circumstances and situations which cause fear in us. Bring your word and your truth to mind, Father. That what we would do then is guide us to choose to follow your word, your truth, to live for you and remind us even in the midst of all this trouble, you are with us. And we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen.